time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life. Oh, well, good evening, ladies. How are y'all? I'm from Texas, so you got a y'all in there. Um, awesome. Well, hey, I have to say that it is such a joy to, uh, and just an honor to stand in front of you and to have um, just this opportunity to share what I feel like the Lord is. Um, just giving me a message to say, and um, I have to say that I just want to commend uh, just your worship tonight and your engagement. Um, it's beautiful, and I believe that it's in the place of worship that we are transformed. It's in the place of worship that we get ruined for the presence of God, um, and that marks our lives forever. And so I just want to commend you for leading in the place of worship, choosing to engage um, that's actually kind of what I'm going to talk about uh, a little bit tonight. Um, so let's just, I'm just going to pray and then we'll jump right in. So Holy Spirit, I welcome you. We welcome you in this place. God, I ask that you would anoint my words. God, I ask that you would open up our ears to hear from you. To understand, to know, to encounter your heart in a greater way. God, I ask for every single young woman in this room. She's come here tonight with a desire to meet you, to know you. God, and so I ask for that revelation for her heart. God, I ask for just the things that could be distracting her to fall by the wayside in Jesus' name. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you would impart grace to the hearers to be able to behold you, to hear the word, and to fall in love with you in a greater way. God, and so I ask that you would be here, be in our midst, meet us. We love you, Jesus. We want to know you more, God. In Jesus' name, amen. So I have to say that one of the greatest things that I value when it comes to any speaker, um, but specifically women speakers and women's events, is an ability to be honest, ability to be real. Because I think that in our society, there is such a battle over authenticity. We don't want to be ourselves. We always want to be someone else. Someone either has something, is something. If it comes to personality, if it comes to clothes, if it comes to a figure, we're always wanting something else. We're always disappointed in ourselves. <laughs> we're never good enough. We always need something else. And so tonight I just want to be honest and I think that in, in this fight for authenticity, our tendency is to put on facades, to put on masks, to not really be who the Lord has called us to be with this pressure that we have to be this certain image because it's what culture is saying, it's what our friends are saying, it's what men are saying, and that we've lost touch of when God created woman. In his image, what did he have in mind? Do you know that you're made in the image of God? Yes, I know that Jesus 
is a man. God came on this earth as a man. But as women, we are God image bearers. Do you know that? You look like God. You look like him. He created you to be like him. And he said that it was good. And so your, even your, I'm not saying that um, woman being, she has to be a type of thing, a person in order to look like God. What I'm saying is that in your uniqueness, your personality, with how he knit you together in your mother's womb, as Psalm 139 talks about, your unique expression reveals the image of God to others. So tonight, I don't know why I'm talking about this. This is not on my notes. But (laughs) I believe that God is wanting to speak to what is the unique thing about you that maybe you hate. What do you hate about yourself? What are you you just hoping you'll grow out of at the next birthday? (laughs) What are you hoping that, oh, once I'm a junior in high school or a senior in high school or once I'm in college, then I can, hopefully this will change about me. And I believe that God is looking down tonight at his daughter saying, but I made that in you and I love that about you. I can say that as a married woman, uh, Dan Perkins is my husband, not David, but Dan, who's the younger brother. Um, you know, like when you're getting married, it's like, ah! oh my gosh, okay, I'm going to be seen for the first time, you know, and, and the vulnerability, we are terrified of vulnerability, terrified, but you know what, it is the process of vulnerability that builds intimacy, so yes, in the context of a marriage, but also in the context of relationship with our friends and relationship with God. And so unless we are willing to be vulnerable, unless we are willing to be honest, one, with ourselves, and two, before God, and three, before people, we're never going to have authentic relationship. You come to God bearing these masks, bearing this image. He's saying, where are you? Where I want to see, I want to see Susie. I want to see Ashley. I want to see Aubrey. Why, why are you putting on this facade? Why are you putting on this mask? And so tonight, I want to confront and ask you, what are the masks that you're wearing that are limiting you from God and that are limiting you from relationship with people? What are the masks that you're wearing? What are the things that you're hiding behind? And I think that we wear these masks because ultimately, we are so afraid that if people really knew, people really knew about this thing about me, the, the detriment of shame and the fear of rejection. We don't want to be rejected. We don't want to be pushed aside. Because I think the deepest cry of the human heart is relationship. We want relationship. We want to be liked. We want to be loved. Ooh, that was a lot of spit. <laughs> Sorry. Um, we want we to be embraced. But the enemy has lied to us that in order for you to be lovable, you have to look like this. And so therefore, none of our relationships are authentic. If we're living in this fake world, this Barbie doll ah, image, you know, um, 
And so I just want to pose the question of, what's your mask? What is your mask? It's the facade that you're wearing. It's the thing that you're terrified of people knowing about you. And so tonight, I'm just going to take my mask off. And I just want to share with you a little bit about my story. See, I um, grew up in a Christian home, but my parents got a divorce when I was four. Um, I was always kind of the, the good kid. I have an older sister, and, you know, she was always the one who had to, like, touch the fire to believe it was hot, and I just kind of watched her kind of thing and believed her. <laughs> um, and it was in the sixth grade that the two, some of the two most critical events of my life happened as I, I moved to a small town. I grew up in Austin, Texas, which is like a, it's a pretty sweet city. Um, really culturally diverse. And I moved to this small town in Texas called Cleburne, Texas. And literally, it's the first day, it's actually I moved like in the middle of the year. And I go to school and people are talking to me and I literally can't understand them. They have such strong like hick accents. I'm like, what are you, what are you saying? Like, I mean, it was like, it was horrible. And so I couldn't understand people. And it's that awkward. I'm literally like a foot taller than everybody. Like all the boys are like down here. So of course, like nobody liked me because I was like the tall girl. And um, anyway, so, so sixth grade and the awkward puberty thing, you know, and, um, and what happened is my sister, she, so she's two years older than me. She um, actually got raped at a church camp. And what happened, how that affected me was seeing my stepdad spiral into alcoholism. My parents begin fighting. My sister being suicidal, going into different mental hospitals. Um, and me just being this, you know, now it's the summer of my sixth grade year, going into seventh grade, feeling completely out of control and ashamed and embarrassed about my family. And how could this happen to me? And it wasn't happening to me, but I was completely out of control seeing all of this pain happen to my family. But then the second major event happened as I came to a youth group that was on fire for God. And I encountered the presence of God for myself, and it became real. And so what happened is, is the Lord just took me into this season. I call it my bubble season. And I would come to youth group, and I would literally just kneel at the altar and cry the whole time. I would go home, and I would turn on worship music, and I would just cry out to the Lord. Because that was the only place that I could find any sense of relief, any sense of hope, any sense of comfort, any sense of love, any sense of peace. And see, what the enemy wanted for me is he wanted me to run to the obvious things. Boys, didn't have a father figure in my life. Wanting affirmation, acceptance from them. So easily could have gone, seeing that before me, to just throw myself at men to be accepted. But let me tell you something. God is bigger. God has a better plan. And I think each and every one of you have your own story tonight. Each and every one of you are representing very real things that are very, very painful. Whether they have happened to you or whether they have happened to someone you love. And I believe that it's in the place of worship. It's in the place of crying out to God and bearing your honest self. Opening your heart. I love, I heard this quote, it talked about 
He loves the opening of your heart, not just the substance of what you make known. And what that means is he's not looking for a right answer from you. He's just looking for you to open your heart. He's just asking, come to me, all who are weary. Come to me, all you who are heavy laden. Because he is the great exchanger. What it means that he's the redeemer, he is the great exchanger. And I believe that when we enter into the presence of God and the place of worship, I believe that he is longing and he's looking from the balcony of heaven saying, give me that and I'll give you me. Give me that and I'll give you my peace. Give me that. But so many of us aren't bringing who we really are. We're not bringing the real stuff. I would ask you tonight, how many of you, this, don't raise your hand, in worship, feel like you really came as you are? How many of you really came to the altar tonight and said, God, here's this, but here I am? Or how many of you, it was just, I'm here in another service, singing in another song, but you know what he has for you? He wants to take it. Just that what we were, what Kayla and Brandon were saying about that anxiety, that worry, that fear, that stress, whatever it may be, he wants to exchange that for his peace. He wants to, he, oh, isn't this good news, people? Like, that he is the answer, that he is our hope, that this is what he has for us. And so I can tell you, standing here, you don't have to be a victim of your current situation. And what I mean by that is that the pain that you're encountering, there are going to be two paths that are set before you. One that, one's the God story, and that he wants to redeem your life. He wants to change the trajectory that the enemy has set before you. Because the enemy has a plan too. Do you know what his schemes are for your life? What's your bent? What's your temptation? Is it the boy thing? Oh, if only that guy would like me. Let me hike up my skirt a little bit more. Let me put on some fake eyelashes and get a fake tan. Or is it the girlfriend thing? Oh, I gotta have that name brand. I, I gotta have that purse. I gotta have that belt. I gotta have, I gotta have what? I gotta tease my hair some more, but oh, my hair is so straight. <laughs> What's the temptation for you? What's the bent toward for you? I wanna call it like it is tonight. Jesus wants you to be his. He wants you to be the woman that he has called you to be. He has a story. He has a plan. He has a destiny. He has a purpose for you. So tonight, what I want to challenge you and call you to is to not be victims. Don't let the enemy win. There is a real battle over your life. Let's not let him win. And I'm here today telling you, the only reason I'm standing here that I have anything to say to you is because I worshiped. At the end of the day, that what, that's what it comes down to. It's because I chose to take my eyes off of myself, chose to take my eyes off of my circumstance, and I chose to lift my eyes to him. 
And in that process, he revealed himself to me. He showed me who I am. He showed me uh, who he is. He showed me that he is the redeemer, that he's the lover of my soul, that he has peace and a new life for me. I love Isaiah 61 verse 3. This divine transfer, he wants to give us the oil of joy instead of mourning. A garment of praise instead of despair. Jeremiah 31, 13 says, then young women will dance and be glad. I want to call forth the dancers in here. I don't care whether you got skill or not. I want to see some dancing because I want to see some gladness. I want to see some joy. I want to see someone who has discovered who I am before the Lord. So I got a reason to dance and I got a reason to sing. It doesn't matter my circumstance. It doesn't matter my situation. It doesn't matter if I'm wearing Lee's jeans from the Goodwill. It doesn't matter because I am his and he is mine and I am glad in him. So let's get to dancing. We got a reason to dance. We got a reason to sing. Isaiah 51 3 says, The Lord will comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places. All the places that you feel like are a waste, all the things about you that you feel like are a waste. He will make her wilderness like Eden, like Eden meaning the, a new creation, and her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in it. Thanksgiving and the voice of melody. See, here's what I believe is that Jesus, he wants to bend down tonight and lift your head. Whatever your pain, whatever your story is, Jesus wants to come to you and get right in the middle of the situation that you're in. You know, when he decided to come and He's been worshipped from eternity past. Angels have been gazing upon him and bowing down, saying, holy, holy, holy. He had everything at his fingertips. And he chose to come and take on humanity. Take on our human, weak, fleshly form. Because he loves us. Because he wanted to be near us. He wanted us back. And you know what's crazy? He's still a man. Do you, do you guys know that? He, he's not like this, like, mist, you know. <laughs> Jesus, he's got a resurrected body. He's, he's got real flesh. Like, hit the person next to you. Hit him, okay? Like, he's got, like, he's got, like, fuzzy hair on his arms, I wonder if he's got, like, bushy eyebrows. He's got, he's got scars in his hands. He's got scars in his feet. He's alive, and he's real. And guess what? It's so cool. When we said yes to following Jesus, we're going to get a resurrected body, too. Do you know what that means? Okay, this is crazy. I hope this causes some self-love in a righteous way. You're going to look like you. Do you know that? In the age to come. I'm going to recognize you. I'm going to say, oh, that's Christelle. I know her. She's going to look like her. He calls you beautiful. He calls you lovely. And in the new heaven and the new earth, when all things are made new and everything is perfected, 
you'll have, it'll be you, but in perfect form. And I don't think it's going to look like the girl who's on the cover of Seventeen is not wanting to look like. So I hope that when you begin to recognize that and look in the mirror and say, this is me. For eternity, this is me. I hope that that'll make you recognize that when he created you, he said it was good. And he calls you lovely. And he calls you beautiful. And he calls it good. So I hope that some of you will begin to love yourself as he loves you. You know, Matthew, when when Jesus talks about the first and second commandment, and he says that um, love your neighbor as yourself, you know what that is also a prescription for? Not just loving people, but it's also a prescription to love yourself. Do you love yourself? Love your neighbor as yourself. Well, if we loved our neighbors as ourselves, we would probably be pretty mean because of how mean we are about against ourselves, how critical we are, how judgmental we are, how much we compare ourselves. And see, when we're victims of our circumstance and the enemy is winning, that's what begins to happen. We're now judging ourselves for everything wrong, (laughs) so critical, so negative. Then we enter into the comparison game. If I could just have what she has, if I could just be this, fill in the blank. That's not what God has for us. So here's what I want to challenge us to tonight. Is that I don't want us to be a victim of our circumstance. But I want you, with Jesus, to begin to write your own story. Write your own story. See, I want to see the women of DSM truly rise up as strong, confident women. Now, I'm not talking about a strength that's an external meanness or external demeanor. But what I mean is, is, a, is a, a group of women that would grow in dependence upon Jesus. That mean, Meaning they run to him with everything. They bear their souls to him when they worship. They're honest with him and they're receiving from him. And they have come to know his strength. They've come to know him as their provider. They've come to know him as everything that they need is the answer, no matter the circumstance, the situation, the feeling, fill in the blank. And they've come to know him, and they're strong and confident in who the Lord is. That's what I want to see in DSM, as a dependent, leaning group of young women. So I think that first, first and foremost, we've got to get a vision for our heart. We have to get a vision for Jesus set me free. Jesus, give me a vision far greater than the one that I currently have. Give me a vision to know you. Give me a vision to be ruined by you. See, that's what I'm ruined by. I don't care. I honestly, my my calling, my opportunity, my um, my ministry, my uh, just all of that, all of the things that the world is saying makes you successful, my image, my weight, my whatever. Um, I am ruined by the man Christ Jesus. I'm ruined that this king 
has called me his bride and that I belong to him. And that I'm not living for this age. I'm not living for the comforts of tomorrow. I'm not living, I'm, I am living for the day when Jesus will come back and then he will rule and reign on this earth and he will make all things new. And he says, Amy, I've chosen you. I want to partner with you. I want to share my secrets with you. I want you to be one that's confident to come running up to my throne and I can say, Amy, I trust you. Go and do this. Go and rule these people. You know, that's what it means to rule and reign with him. It means we're going to have leadership. It means we're going to have responsibilities. It means we're going to have jobs. Jobs with Jesus. That's sweet. So I'm living for the day when I get to be in his inner circle. I want to be one of those that's close to his heart. I want to be one of those that he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into my rest, and here's what I have for you, and here's what I want to do with you. See, we're, we're created to work. We're created to have responsibilities. We're created to produce things. That's not going to end in the age to come. And so tonight, what I want to call forth in you is to have a vision for your heart to be gazers of Jesus, to be those that will choose to lift their eyes from their circumstance be who you really are and say, Jesus, I want to know you. Jesus, I want to love you. Jesus, I want to give you all of my days. So if you, I want to invite the band to go ahead and come on up. I just want to read. All of you have these pink letters if you guys want to open them up. And this is a letter, this is a invitation from Jesus to your heart. So actually, here's what I want to do. I just want to invite you guys to stand. And I just want you guys to just kind of spread out across the room. We're just going to go into a time just responding to the Lord. this is the invitation that he's calling you to. He wants you to know him. He wants you to come as you are. He wants you to take off the masks that you're wearing. He wants to reveal himself to you. So let's just read this. This is from Jesus. He says, my beloved, I'm king of kings and lord of lords. I'm the beginning and the end. I'm the God of the ages. My name is Yahweh, which means I'm a covenant-establishing God and a covenant-keeping God. I make promises to the ones I call mine, and I am faithful to those promises. I'm creator. I created the heavens and the earth, but I created you in my image. I'm your father. I want a family, and I've created you to be a part of it. You look like me. I created you for partnership with me in mind. I created you to rule and reign with me. You are my daughter, my creation. I made you the way you are with your personality, your looks, your gifts, your strengths, and your talents. I've given you a purpose. I've given you a calling. There is a dream in my heart for you. 
I'm your maker. I'm also making you and molding you into the woman that I want you to be. What the enemy has intended for evil, I have intended for good. So the circumstances you've gone through and will go through, the joys and the pains of life, the friendships and relationships you have, I'm using all those things through my perfect leadership to make you into the woman I've called you to be. I'm preparing you to accomplish my good works in this world, but I'm also preparing you for my son and for the age to come with him. I am your promised bridegroom. My name is Jesus the Christ. I came to earth, I took on humanity, and I took the ridicule and shame of unbelief that I wasn't the son of God, but I am. My father wants a family, and I want a bride, a partner, to rule and reign with. And he promised you to me. And I came to rescue you from sin, sickness, and death. To be eternally alive with me. You are my bride. You're the delight of my heart and the romance of my soul. One glance of your eye captivates me. When you turn your eyes toward heaven and choose to believe in me, worship me and love me in those small moments, my heart is undone. Every small decision, every time you get back up again, they all strike my heart like a sharp arrow of love. You are the reward of the suffering I endured on the cross. It was the joy of having your heart that I endured the most painful death known to mankind. You are my inheritance. You are my crown. You are my reward that the Father has promised me. Would you become everything he's promised? Would you be my bride? You're betrothed to me. Would you make yourself ready? I'm preparing to establish my kingdom with you. It's coming soon, very soon. Would you have a vision for it? Would you believe it's true? Would you live in this world but not of it? Trust that I'm coming to make this planet better than ever for you and with you. This is the fullness of your calling. Not the 80 years you have on this earth, but eternity with me. You will have a role. You will be my queen. You will administer justice to the nations. You will feel my heart. See me fully. Hear me clearly. And be with me forever. You are my beloved and I am yours. See, you were created for more than you can imagine. But I want to take you on an adventure where you discover these things to be true for yourself. I'll show you. I'll lead you to understanding and knowledge of this truth. Who I am. Therefore, who you are to me. Would you become mine? Circle yes. Circle no. Circle maybe. You are mine and I am yours forever. Yahweh. So I just want to take a moment and we're going to worship. And I just want you to respond to the song. And I actually want to invite DLA, if the girls, if you guys just kind of want to spread out all over the room and just stand. And I want to challenge you guys to respond to this tonight. And I want every single one of you to get prayer before you leave. For anything that I talked about, if it's you're in a situation in a circumstance or it's just so unbearable or you're experiencing a lot of shame or 
where you're, you're dealing with self-hatred or, or you, or you want to be a worshiper. You want to you be an overcomer. I just want to invite you just to respond and get prayer tonight. And here's what it's going to take. It's going to take vulnerability. Jesus wants to come and meet with you, but you've got to be willing to come and meet with him. You want authentic relationship. We're going to take off our masks. So maybe for some of you, it's, you need to confess tonight to one of these leaders. Some of the facades you've been standing behind. Some of the masks that you've been wearing. So I'm just going to pray and then we're going to worship. And I just want to invite every single one of you to come and get prayer. So God, I ask tonight for freedom in the name of Jesus. I ask for a vision in the name of Jesus. I ask, God, that you would come and break in in power. God, I pray that every single young woman would respond to this invitation saying, yes, I want to go on the journey of love. Yes, I want to go on the journey of discovering you. These words are foreign concepts to me, but I want to know them. God, and so I ask for a hunger tonight. God, I ask for a strength to rise up on the inside of them, to have courage to believe that you want to touch them, to have courage to believe that you want to heal them, that you want to meet them, that you want to reveal yourself to them. God, and so tonight I ask for breakthrough. Tonight I ask for freedom in the name of Jesus. God, I ask, Lord, that worshipers, that dancers, that singers, musicians would rise out of this place because they've discovered you in the context of being honest and vulnerable in the place of worship. God, so I ask that you would mark these young women in Jesus' name as worshipers, as lovers of God. So I ask for a desperation to rise up on the inside of them that would say no to yesterday and that would say yes to the fullness of what you have for them today. God, so I speak courage right now in Jesus' name. Boldness right now in Jesus' name. God, and I ask that the women of DSM would arise knowing that they are lovers of God, that they, are, that they love you and that you love them. God, and so tonight I just speak healing. I speak freedom. I speak victory in Jesus' name. And over time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did. Because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life.